Hey, everyone. Welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good in the middle of the night, wherever you are. Um, my name is Marilyn Shannon, and this is the Breaking Free Show. And I am delighted to welcome you here today to our Internet stage. We're going to have a wonderful time. I'm excited about our guests. And before we get started, I want to say hi to Amnon and Nathaniel. All hello, hello, deck. hello. Hey. Hey, gentlemen. We're doing great over here. You sure are. <laughs> well, we got all this great technical support and smiling faces, so everybody's good. Everybody had a good weekend? Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Well, I had a very good weekend myself, and I'm happy I'm here. And I, it's an honor to have you all here with us today, so thank you. And I want to remind everyone, whether this is your first time or your umpteenth time, we welcome you to call in any time. You can call in at 919-518-9773 by a landline. If you are somewhere in the world and you want to connect with us on Skype, you can do that at computers, that's plural, 2K voice, anytime you like, and you can come in on voice on Skype. We also have a chat. If you put your name right next to the window, your nickname as well, whatever, you, whatever suits your purpose, and you can talk to us through there as well. So we welcome you to connect with us during the show, if you have comments, questions, whatever you like. This is our show, your show, my show. We're in it together. It's a community. We love to have you. So I'm really excited about my guests. We've been having a wonderful conversation before you all showed up. And I want to introduce to you Gabriella Kovac. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Marilyn. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be on your show. So tell everybody. Look to it. Have, me too. I can't wait. So ha, where are you? Where are you right now? Right now, I'm in a suburb called Five Dock, in New South Wales, Sydney, Australia. And what time is it? Now it is exactly three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning. And why is it important for you to be doing an interview show at three o'clock in the morning? because I've written a book about my mother and this is a thank you to her and it is also an, the book is an inspiration on how to get out of trouble and I do hope that by sharing it with as many people as I can regardless of time place form or event it doesn't matter because I just want people to know that no matter how dark it feels out there there's a solution, and you just have to believe in yourself. So, what's the so? Give us some more detail about the book and about you. So, how about you want to start with you, like who you are? Sure. My name is Gabriella Kovac, and I live in Australia. We immigrated in uh, 1957. We arrived to Australia in 1957, Christmas Day. And that's a very important day because very few people came from, I came from Hungary, very, very few people immigrated in 1957. Most people came, there was a revolution in Hungary in 1956, and a lot of people came out illegally through the border, and that's how they arrived to Australia. We came in 1957 with a passport, and that is a very important fact. Mainly if you read the book, mm. it is, we came when the borders were closed. My mother said she will not stay in a country where they kill each other every 10 years. Mm. And she wanted to go to a place where it was a lot warmer. Mm. Emotionally <laughs> warmer or uh, uh, freer? Uh -huh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that was her main choice. Mm. And so we came to Australia. But uh, that was like getting out of a country that had their borders closed, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Mm. So it's a very important date for me. So tell us about the story. Well, the story starts, it's an amazing story, which I will read a bit about for you. It actually starts with her father, who was a genius, I think. He had an idea in, in the 1930s that uh, there's going to be something happening here. So he had this beautiful daughter that he, interesting enough, he had a son as well who was four years older, but he seemed to have connected with his daughter more. And he brought her up to believe in herself. And 
know that she's in a magic bubble. That's the only way I can describe it. It was the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. I've never seen anything like it before. Because she didn't believe it. She knew that she was in it. And uh, she went through the Holocaust and afterwards communism without, without any fear or knowing. She just kept on landing on her feet. She kept saying, if a door closes, another one will open. The streets are paved with gold. Just bend down and pick it up. And that was her whole life. That's, that was basically Georgina. And that is why the book is written, that in the darkest hour, one just has to look outside the square and believe in themselves, and things happen. And things always happen if you intended to happen. There's, there's a good in everything. And you'll find your piece of gold. Just don't be afraid to search for it. You know, and so every, everyone, this is really incredible because, you know, Gabriella is sharing stories, uh, uh, history about the Holocaust. And most people, most children of survivors don't even want to talk about the Holocaust. They don't want to talk about their parents. They don't want to talk. It was so, it was so painful for their parents, their grandparents, whomever, and they've heard the stories, that they don't even want to share it. So the fact that Gabriella can be talking about Georgina the way she is, and the fact that she's willing to talk about it, this is an incredible experience. Maybe a once-in-a-lifetime experience to be able to hear her speak about this in the tone that she's speaking about it, you know, in our day and age. So I just want to say that. So you were how old? Like, what's the, what's the story? You were born when, and what's the connection? Well, I was born after the, the Second World War. I was born in, uh, after the war. But uh, I, what my mother did, she actually, she always talked about it. But then I, I suppose when you're winning, you have no problem in talking about it. And the way she won, it was just amazing. And... You know, as a small child, I couldn't stop watching it. I was absolutely fascinated with the way this beautiful woman, because that's all you can say about her, she, this is even, you know, under communism, she had Chanel Number no. 5 perfume, and she sells through life in silks and magnificent clothes, and always had her way with whatever she wanted. She achieved it. It was just an incredible thing to watch. So I always wanted to write the book. It was something that, when you see something like that, it's, it's a beautiful learning experience and the amount of love and care that I was brought up with. You really need to say thank you because mm -hmm. it was very unusual. As I said before, one of the, just one of the things, this is on my side of it, this is under communism, not under, because I wasn't aware of that, but you know, we had a private library, and also at Christmas time, just to give you an idea of her personality, this really, really puts her there, you know, it was snowing outside, and it was, like under communism, you, you stand in line for food, nobody gets anything, now, what Georgina did, was put a Christmas tree, that was as high as the ceiling, which is about, what, about eight feet, you know, those European Gothic ceilings, to the ceiling on the first floor of a flat that had windows, a big bay window. Now, she put a Christmas tree up, lit up, and we're Jewish. Jewish people don't believe in Christmas trees, but she put it up there. And was it a Christmas tree or was it saying, and here's to you too? Do you know what I mean? That's, no, no. It was more of a defiance than anything else. Did, was she known to be Jewish, putting up the Christmas tree, or what? How what was? Explain that. I don't that. know if she was known to be Jewish. She always wore the Star of David. After the after the Holocaust, she never ever took the Star of David off, but she just put it up. And like the the Archbishop was in jail, there was no religion in Hungary. You could go to jail and never be heard of again for anything, and she had a Christmas tree in the window. 
it's just just something that struck me as how does she dare? It was daring more than anything else. Her idea was that children should have a magic in their lives, and that was a gift to us to know that there's such a thing as magic. So sometimes I wonder, was it magic or was it her defiance mm -hmm. about the, the regime? So I'm, I am, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I really am, this is so interesting because I've never heard anything like this, so I'm really trying to understand what yeah. actually occurred. Uh, so, so you're saying that nobody, so during the Holocaust, where yes. were you, when, when you heard the tanks and you heard the bombing, where were you? I was in the flat. The Holocaust was before that. Like I was, uh, I was about ten years old when the revolution was on. But during the Holocaust, that's a different story. And I start off with, I should start off with that instead yeah. of the middle of the, the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ho during the Holocaust, she looked at it and thought, when you put on this star of David, they beat you, and they put you into a ghetto and they ship you out. Don't think it's a good idea. Why don't I just tint my hair blonde, get a very, very, very good passport, and continue? Now, that might not be what other people think that one should do, but it did save her life. And it had a lot of daring and a lot of guts to it. But that is what she did. And she lived through the Holocaust with a false passport and tinted blonde hair. So she, um, she did not. She didn't keep her role as as a Jew during the Holocaust. No, I see. No, I see. no she pretended to be an alien. I got it. And she was pregnant and had a child. And the hospital was bombed an hour after she she gave birth. They had, she had to pick up the newborn baby and get out of there. So it was pretty hectic times. Uh, so Chris is asking this question. Do you think your mother sure. would have been as defiant had the Holocaust not been uh, a part of her history? Was she always defiant about anything, even afterwards? Even afterwards. She, in the end, she thought it was a game. She just played it as a game, that but she could get away with anything. And she did. She most definitely got away. It, it, it was, it, I can read to you the beginning of the book. It was basically she had this idea that she was invincible. She knew she was invincible, that nothing really bad could happen to her. And her father got that into her as a very, very young child. And I suppose being a gorgeous-looking woman, it did help to be as defiant as an as she was, yes. So, do you be, so do you, when, so you talk a lot about how to get through the darkest moments, and yes. so do you? How do you? How do you uh, define defiance? Defiance is, I suppose, it's not really defiance. We all have an innate ability to know what is right and what is wrong, and. If something is you don't feel is right or it's upsetting or suppressing you in any way, don't put up with it. That's how I've, that's how I define defiance because that's what to me it is. If something is going the way it should and things are right, sure, that's great. But if it isn't, do something about it. There's always a way out. There's always... You just have to think about it, mm -hmm. and don't let things or anyone get you down. Mm -hmm. So, what in your life have you been that have you been that way, that defiant with, that has worked out for you? In my life, now that's an interesting question. In my life, hmm, what have I been defiant about? I think most of the things have gone very well for me because I've had this viewpoint of that's what I want and I think if it doesn't work this way let's try it another way mostly I think with, with writing the book was a, a huge effort and it broke a lot of my basic ideas and rules like 
Originally, I had a problem with speaking, and mainly speaking English, because, as I said, I came from Hungary, and how does one write a book when it's not their own language? And by sheer persistence and the intention, I got it done, and then I've written a second book and a third book. So I think that's, that's how I define... You know, when something somebody says you can't do it because you're not that you don't speak that language or you're not good at that, so what? Find a way, and something always will turn up. Well, I would say that your book and the subject—I mean—and I—and I hear the magnificence of your mother, but also it's not—it wasn't—it's not popular. That route might not have been a popular route by mo by most or by many of the Jews in the Holocaust. So your even writing the story is somewhat of, you know what? I'm 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 doing this anyway, regardless yes. of that. It's not popular. I'm um because that's not a, was not a popular choice to make. You know that's right. Right. And 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 six million Jews died which is a horrific thing, absolutely to me, it's just unthinkable that people died. And yes, I do, and then I've had a lot of people saying about the way they came to Australia that if everybody, how could she do things like that? And I'm thinking, we survived. And that's survival. That's all I can say about it. And it is, as you said, it's not popular. It's, but, it's the only way one will survive in this life. It's, it's, this universe is it's not an you really have to go against the odds. So where do you, you draw, where, so how do we draw the line? How do, we, how do we know what is good or maybe not good? How do we draw the line of how far we go? Or how far, or when we don't go that far, how do we draw the line? Well, you don't hurt other people. You don't trample on others. You do what's good for most of the people, and don't do things that are not good for some people. Like for what I don't think that it hurt anyone that we got fourteen visas from the government because we could afford to pay for it, and that's what we did. I don't think that's evil. It's a way out. And I do understand that not everyone could do it. But that's what we did. It is what it is. And I don't think we hurt anybody by it. Mm -hmm. But we helped, we helped my family get out of a suppressive country. Nathaniel has a question. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, I just had a quick question for you. So, um, going by the role model of your mom and saying that she uh, used, you know, Christmas as a way to get out of going through the hard times that the Holocaust had to go through, if everybody had gone that route, would there have been Judaism anymore? Because that faith wouldn't have been around anymore. They could have just, uh, like, assimilated into a more Christian culture and that some of that faith might have been lost. I don't think so. It had nothing to do with the Judaism or Krishnaism. It had to do with uh, giving it some children magic in their lives. And it is, when I recall it, it was one of the most magical things I've ever remembered. Then when my grandma took us down the street and said we had to walk in the middle of the, you know, not the middle of, late at night in the snow, and waited for the angel to come. We didn't have Jesus. We just had an angel to come. And when the tree was lit, the angel would arrive and we could go upstairs and there were presents under the tree. I think it was the most magical thing looking up at this tree in the middle of the night in the snow and this window was lit up with, with candlelight and a tree. It was the most beautiful, magical sight I can remember. I don't think it has anything to do with any religion. Mm -hmm. It has to do with just beauty. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I could see later on, when I looked at it, the defiance of it, that she could have been jailed for it. Mm -hmm. Like 
I think it's just an amazing thing that she did. It's so interesting to hear you uh, speak like this because I can, I can, the picture you're painting is so, I can see that. I can, as a child in particular. You, Magical. I mean, magic. 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 Was your mother, was your mother always creative? Yes. That's how she did most of the things that she did. She was a very creative, very artistic person. Like, there's a time, if you, after the, just before the war, she started repairing Persian carpets. Now, if you look at the details, if you need to repair a Persian carpet that's hundreds of years old, and you have to match the dye and the color, that's art. So it's a very, very high quality of art. And that's one of the things that she did. So I want to ask you, I have to ask you, so the way she was, you know, she didn't, I mean, she wasn't maybe like a, like she wasn't a, because of the way of her being, I'm trying to get this <laughs> in a way that I've never, you know, would have thought about before. You know, to me, you know, you know, you know, when you were Jewish in that during that time in the Holocaust, you took it. You took whatever you had to take, and and you know, you didn't go away into being, you know, not Jewish to survive or whatever. That's how I've always thought about it. But no. now, you know, listening to you talk about your mother, uh, she was uh, uh, she was like this angel, and she repelled negativity. Well, she repelled. Uh, she repelled that disgust in a way. She yes, right. I mean, she would not um, energetically. She couldn't. She didn't go to anything that was less than that. You know, magic, pretty, spiritual. I mean, it's hard for me to even imagine. I I can't even fathom on some level what you're saying, but yet on some level I can understand her her difference because you said there was no religion. So a Christmas tree in the window did not represent Christianity. No. It was just something that she somehow figured out she could do and it was pretty. So it's it's crazy what you're saying. It's crazy what Absolutely. you're saying. Absolutely. Looking back, you know, at the time, I thought it was fantastic and beautiful. Later on, when I'm looking back, and only when I'm in Australia as a, as a grown-up person thinking about it, that's when I realized what it actually represented. At that time, I didn't think of it. I just thought it was beautiful, magical, and was great to get presents from the angel. <laughs> but I never thought at that time was anything else than that. Mm -hmm. But later on, with a grown head, I'm looking at the dangers of it, I think, wow, hard, hard gutsy was that. How, do you get the chills when you think about it? Yeah, afterward, now I do, now I do, because you could, like people disappeared for a lot less than that. So, how did she pull that off? You know, how do you have that? What else much did guts? she do? What else did she do besides <laughs> the Christmas tree? Uh, you know, going, taking you down the street. Your grandmother taking you down the street. What else did she do that seemed superhuman? Well, the other superhuman thing she did do was a lot before that. That's when it all started. And I think it is. It is. I, I have done a, a video that's on. Um, YouTube about it when I was four years old. Now she had a, as I said, she was an artist and she had all these incredible, like the businesses that she started under communism weren't in Australia or anywhere else in the world would have been great business practice and she was very talented. Because it was in under communism and you weren't allowed to have a business, it became the black market. So anyway, she had this she decided to weave fabric and scarves and material, and they were stunning. I still remember them. They were amazing things. 
and uh, somebody said that she was dealing, that she stole the material, which she didn't. So at four o'clock in the morning, which is an interesting time, because it's about this time of the morning, we had this knock on the door, and it was the secret police on our, at our door, and they got the whole family to come in to the lounge room, sit down, and uh, I was four years old, as I said, can you imagine? And the policeman picked me up and started questioning me. Petrified is an understatement. I couldn't understand that my grandmother and my father and my brother were just sitting there and I'm being asked these questions in this man's lap and I'm scared to death and nobody's doing anything. And at that time, my mother waltzed into the room, literally, with her Chanel Number no. 5 perfume, with a silk dressing gown that I also have, I still keep it, and I have a picture of it. She waltzed into the room and she said to the policeman, you put that child down. The man looked at her and without a word put me down. And at that point, I got it. She saved me. She protected me. And he could have just shut us all. There was no, you know, there, why, you know, there, was, there was no reason why he put me down. He put me down because of her presence. She was calm. She was charming. And then she said, I'll be with you shortly. Can you please wait for me? There was not a sound in that room. You could have heard the fly on a wall. Later on, she arrived back, dressed, and she was ready to go with them. And they did take her to uh, the most famous jail in Hungary, the House of Terror. And she was there for 10 days. And then they let her out because they couldn't do anything with her. What do you mean they couldn't do anything with her? They were more scared of her than she was of them. And how is that? What? Don't ask me. <laughs> Holy <laughs> they mode. sent her a bill for her staying for 10 days, but that's about all. Oh, my goodness. This is extraordinary to me. She was. She was an extraordinary woman. I mean, there's so much that you that is so baffling. It's baffling. Why did you think I thought the book? Because it was baffling. To me as a child, even as an adult, I wanted to put it in front of people and I wanted them to know that there's such a, they, you can do it. It can be done if you believe in yourself. And my God, she believed in herself. She knew she was beautiful. She knew she was able. And she knew she could get away with anything. And she did. So how, how old was she when she passed away? How long ago? Oh, she passed away in her late 80s, about 10 years ago. So you had her as an adult to learn oh, from, yeah. to see her in action. Was she always like that, even in her later years? Yep, always. Always. I, I, that's why I said I had to write the book. I kept on saying, and in her later years, I uh, wrote seven pages, and they were just points that this happened, this happened, you know, from all the things that I knew and all the things that I heard of. And I gave it to her and she said, and I said, Mom, is all this true? And she looked at it and said, yeah, it's all true. And then I went in and did a lot of research and I found that all the facts met and they were all there, so that was all real. So did she talk about her time in that prison? For 10 days, did she share, like, oh, what happened? A little bit. I mentioned it in the book. The, the, all that she, she didn't say much about it. She just said that they wanted to question her, and she always had the answer. The trick was, which I also wrote in the book, as I said, that she was weaving, okay? She was weaving pure wool, fabrics, absolutely magnificent fabrics. And when she went out and got dressed, she had this suit that was a pure wool skirt, a matching top that was fur-lined with a fur hood and a silk a silk shirt. Now, if you know that real silk doesn't crease, you know, you, the real heavy silk, you can't crease it. And that's how she left. Now, if you think about it, when they put her in jail without a bed, she had a fur jacket. She was never cold. 
and when they took her in for questioning, she always looked smart. And she always had the right answer. And she was never upset or angry with them. She handled it. So I think that helped her and it saved her life, that she was never, never in fear. I can't explain it any other way. I know, I know, I, I, I know. And one day, I'm sure, as you write more, as you talk more, as you reflect more, something will come, even more than what's already come. And, and, and just the fact that you're sharing this, this crazy story, you know, that, that is not a pop, that would not, did not start off to be a popular, you know, that you, but it's not just about even though that is the, the, the Holocaust was horrific and all of yes. that it, it it's it is that but that was a vehicle that is an for this for how she was able to you know I mean if you say that no people couldn't start a business but yet she could you know she several businesses several businesses and made millions she made millions oh yeah well, that's how we she went after the, the after the revolution. She went to the government and said, "How much for thirteen passports?" How much would what? Say that again. How much are the passports? So she paid for the passport for the whole family. She just said, "How much?" Wow. That's how we came to Australia. I remember that it was each one was forty thousand forints, which when you if you work it out, it's about I don't know about four hundred dollars, but that's in a, in Hungarian money that was unheard of. I mean, and then it was unheard of. <laughs> We're talking a, a long time ago. Yeah. So well, we had. Go ahead. We had the money. Uh huh. And she was That's, loving, and she was loving, and she was attentive. Very, very much. Very she, much. She, she loved. Well, always think about the Christmas tree. <laughs> Uh -huh. And that, that adventure, when, when that policeman put me down, I cannot explain it to you, Marilyn. I looked at her and I thought, who is this woman? So tell us about your dad. What was he like? He was a wonderful man. He adored her. He thought that she was a princess. And she who did no wrong. And he was a wonderful dad. He loved us. He cared for us. He took us places. They always had time for us, although they all both worked very hard. And I always say that my grandmother brought me up because they weren't there all the time, and my grandmother was. But he was a wonderful man. I, I, I can't say anything more about him. He was just a very, very nice person. You said she very, ignored him? Did you say she ignored him? No, no, no. Oh. I never oh. said that. Oh, no, okay. she never ignored him. Okay. No, she, they had a wonderful marriage. Uh -huh. They really did. They cared for each other. And, you know, in today's world, it's very hard to see. And I've never, very rare, I, there was never, ever a loud voice in our house. There was never an argument. It was just, the only time was when, she said, that's it. She panicked. That's the only time she panicked when they were actually shooting at us. You know, and you could see the flames of the guns. And she said, that's it. We're leaving here. And then my uncle grabbed hold of her and said, not now, Georgina, when it's all over. And she said, okay, not now, when it's all over. But at, that was the only loud voice I ever heard in the house. So she listened to your uncle. Otherwise, she was getting ready At to leave. At that time, she panicked. She really got very upset. She gathered me and my brother, and she was going to run down the stairs with us. And he just grabbed her and said, no, not now, Georgina. It's, they're shooting at us. It's too dangerous. Wow. We'll leave, but not now. Fascinating. That's the only time that um, I can remember any loud voices or arguments in the house. Mm. Well, if anybody out there would like to call in at any, you know, now's a great time, 919-518-9773, or please feel free to contact us through Skype, which is Skype Voice, at computers, that's plural, the number 2K Voice, we'd love to have you there. You're more than welcome to partake in our chat. Just put your name under the chat window and 
We'll be there waiting for you. <laughs> Fascinating. Thanks, so, uh, and you are a cook, and your design, you take after your mom, I guess, as far as your creativity yes. is concerned. Tell us about that. Well, actually, the cooking is from my grandmother. She was a very, she was a very good cook, and I've learned a lot from her from cooking. And it's wonderful to see that I've learned cooking from my grandmother. And I've got two boys, and when they were little. I did exactly what my grandmother did with me. I shared with them and got them to help me with the cooking. And uh, now my grandchildren cook. <laughs> That's, I just feel it's great. And my son cooks. Is uh, a much better cook than I am. He's what, amazing. What do you cook? What kind of stuff? Well, I've got it on my website. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a chicken paprika recipe on the website, and there's a few other cakes and stuff that I like. And there's a spinach pie I think I've written up. It's a few recipes that I like, so I wrote them up. And these are all family recipes handed down. They for, all, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, tell yeah. us, now tell us about being a designer. Well, when we came to first to Australia, my mother started up a business with uh, contract sewing. Like she wasn't, she knew how to run a business. She couldn't sew herself. And uh, we had a contract for the, about 500 garments at the time, which was a huge thing from one of the top uh, designer houses. And because I always, I, since I was a little girl, I always used to cut out paper dolls and color them in and make clothes. And she bought me a little baby sewing machine and I used to always make dresses for my dolls. So it was just so obvious that I'd become a designer. So I did a course on pattern making and uh, worked in the factory for many years and then I started afterwards when they went out and she, I was no longer working with her. I started working with other companies as a pattern maker and as a designer and uh, then I've learned, we went to England with my husband at the time and I asked him about knitting because I thought, oh, you know, it'd be interesting to make your own material. And I had the idea of weaving. I also had, she also, when I was a little girl, I also had a little miniature weaving machine, or whatever you want to call it. And I used to design fabric on that. So I thought, oh, having a knitting machine would be fun. Mm -hmm. So I got a knitting machine, learned it, and started a knitting business, which was quite well known in Australia. I had, you know, I had some of my garments in vogue, and they were quite beautiful, and so I had an interesting business in knitting and creating and uh, doing many things, and had a coffee shop. So you also, the, like your mother, really don't uh, don't follow the I can't or I not now I, or I'm, I'm too this or I'm too that or whatever. You don't yes. follow you follow your mom's path, not the other path. That's right. right. So what, do you have a mantra? I I, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, what'd you say? So, well, that's what I do, yeah. And then there was a chance that I, because I always wanted to write about her story. I've always talked about it, always thought about it. And it is interesting that it is a different viewpoint. It's not a popular viewpoint, but it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past two years. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good. And we're talking thousands of books sold. Thousands of books. Thousands. Yes. We're not talking about, you know, calling all your, you know, a lot of people who are writing call their friends and everybody buys it for a day and then, no, you know, no, you're high. No, it's, you're it's been thousands. Years what is the mystic, do you think, for people in the interest of reading this, this story? Why do you think it's so interesting? And people want more. Why is that? I think it's because of the defiance of standing up and being smart and... I think that, that quite a few of them says the bravery, the stand, basically standing up in, in danger and uh, doing your own thing. You know, I know this is your, your, your story, but it's, to, to me, I have to say this, I don't, I'm not sure if it's about defiance. It feels like it's about something more prettier than that. Yes, it is. 
It's not. It's just not about defiance. I don't think that was her motivator. I don't think she saw anything other than the beauty of things, and then you know, and and the hope of things. I don't know how she looked at when there was tanks and bombing. How did she look at that? I mean, I can I can understand where she how she lived in her moments and how I can understand who she was in her skin. But how did she look at the ugly stuff? She had a saying, like she had a lot of saying for a lot of things, as I said to you earlier. Um, one of the main sayings she used to say was, it's a very famous, I just don't know who it was from, but she used to quote it to me. She used to say, if you look into the darkness, you become the darkness. She never looked. She didn't want to look into the darkness because she said that if you do, you become you become part of it. And why would you? You know what, honey? It's so interesting because I've never used that quote, but I do believe that even when I'm looking at things in the world today that look awfully ugly, and they do, I believe yes. they are, each of them are the beginnings of the light because people see these things and because of these things, they do different. And the more yes. we do different, the less those uglies will be out there. And I, you can look at, you can cite all kinds of things that went on, ugly, horrible things that changed the world. Changed, I mean, we talk so much about people doing grassroots things that change, I mean, change the world. Change, instead of buying into what governments say or what this company says, mm. I mean, they create their own gardens. Or they create yes. their own thing, and they don't. And I can see that. I can see what you're saying. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't want to see this in some way. I I don't like all the thing that you you know. But I can see what your mother did, and why she did it. Oh, thank you, thank you're, you, Marilyn. Thank you for understanding. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to talk to somebody who actually gets. Where I'm coming from, because it is—it's a such a different viewpoint, isn't it? Oh my gosh! When you first started, my eyes were rolling, almost out of my <laughs> head. I had no idea, really. I mean, Nathan and I—we were looking at each other and go, "Oh no, yeah. no, 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 no! <laughs> Why is this happening now?" <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I can see—you know that no this this was not about that it was really something more deeper going on yes, here it's a spiritual thing she yes. was very very spiritual and I, I suppose a woman before her times because some of the ideas she she got me into it's not not that you're not jewish because that's a different viewpoint again but it is a much more spiritual viewpoint she used to always say, God is in everything. In anything you look, in anything you touch, it is God's hands. And to me, that's that's definitely stable and real. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be here to tell the story. Yes. I mean, how many people can share the story? Or want to? I mean, I mean, I look at this gentleman who I was going to have here today, Abe, who is a neighbor of my mother-in-law's, and um, he, is a, uh, he is a survivor. And he has a, a, an amazing, I think, an amazing outlook on life because he has yes. seen the, the worst. And so for him, living every moment is magic. And mm. so I, I just, I want you to share about your book. So just hold it up, tell us where we find it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. But this is a different cover. It's got a new cover now, but I'll just hold it up for you anyway. It. This is the old cover. Wow. We just changed it, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the new cover is still with her picture on it. It's more... I'll just open it and show you the other picture that it's got in it. It's, it's a very emotional cover. It, it is. 
of, but we're trying to do another promotion on it, and I just can't find the other picture. Isn't that amazing? It should be there in the beginning. It's an emotional mm -hmm. cover. Yeah, there it is. Mm -hmm. That's the other picture. I love this picture of hers. Don't you? Can you see it? Oh, yeah. Can you bring it up just a little bit? Yeah, bring it out. Push it in. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, she was lovely. That is the false passport picture with her hair blonde. And if you look at it, she doesn't really look Jewish there. Well, on the front cover, she does. Can you see the difference what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Wow. She was... That ha yeah. Was that a hat on her? Yeah, wow. yeah. She was quite Amazing. an incredible lady. So that's basically the book, mm -hmm. but the the name hasn't changed. It's Georgina, Holocaust Survival Stories, and it is by Gabriela Kovac. So if you put my name, or if you look at my website, there's, as you saw, there's a short there, which is a, quite a good um, description of the book about the Holocaust and what she did, and then again about my father and what he did. Because they were all amazing. I think my uncle, mm -hmm. my dad, and my mother, they were all amazing people. The difference is that she talked about it, and they never did. Well, Ga Gabrielle, that was part of her whole thing. And I just, you know, I, I watched the video that's on your website about yes. how she came upon when you needed food and how she found food. Yes. And not only did she find food, but she found your father again. Yes, that's just, like amazing. Like, that was amazing. Yeah, I, but all her—that's what I mean. Sometimes I look at the book and I say, "Have I said enough about the spirituality of this, about her intentions and the the?" Because it was—it's a spiritual experience that she had this intention that, as I said, nothing will happen to her, and she went. Okay, they were starving, and she had no choice. She either found food or they would die. But then she went out, and then she. Like at that time, there was no one on the streets because Budapest, there was a fight. It, it was street battles. So anybody go out, they were either shot, killed, raped. That was it. That was the choices. And she went out in that and found food and brought it back. Like, you know. You know. Um, and she yeah. saw people's head being shot off while she was doing it. But she did it anyway. So, well, because she lived know. like it shouldn't be. Yes. That's how she lived, like what was around her shouldn't be. Yes. And she didn't want to live like it, like the, sh the, like the shouldn't be's. Yes. That's all. She didn't want to live that way. She wanted to live. She didn't want to live that way. I can, that's I can, I can, that's, that's extraordinary. Honestly, even it though, is. yeah, even though what she did was not is not popular, blah 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 blah, she lived, you know, like. But all yeah. great people do that. You never follow the crowd. If you follow the crowd, you're not going to be successful. True. That's true. So, um, I know you mentioned that you have a bro you had a brother. Yes. Can you just share a, a little bit about that? Yes, he was the. She was pregnant with him right through the war. As I said, after the war, like she had to leave the hospital carrying him. She went. That's why she went out because they were. She only had sugar and water to feed him, and she had no food, so she had no milk. And uh, unfortunately, later on, he we found. Actually, it started in Hungary, but we never thought it was serious. And then later on, we found out that he had leukemia. And that was the only, that was a very sad part because she did blame herself for it. She said that because she didn't feed, maybe because she didn't feed him, but it had nothing to do with it. But uh, he did die from leukemia when he was 21. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very, that was the only time they were very, she said that once, they, I remember that when she said the bubble burst. But then, being Georgina, she recovered. And she recovered very well afterwards. But it was a very, very sad time for her, and me and my dad. And then, of course, when I got married and I had the two boys, it sort of compensated, I think. 
for her and she became a you know in the Jewish um, club she became a champion bridge player and had a ball had a literally a ball later on in life how but did at that time it yeah. was very sad I'm sure yes. I'm sure yeah something very hard to carry in her heart yeah I don't think she'd ever really got over it and it was horrible horrible to watch because she had such enough a love for this boy obviously because she saved they saved each other's lives if you know what I mean because she lived partially to to have him and to keep him and then for him to die so young it was very sad very sad. You know, I just want to mention, too, I wish I just realized as we're talking, I think today's show is, uh, represents our fifth year anniversary doing these shows. Wow. Uh, yes, I think today is our fifth year doing this show, which is always fascinating to me. And I don't think about it usually. I just do the shows and I'm passionate about who's coming on and excited about bringing people to our air that I know will make a difference in somebody's life and mine included in particular and so <laughs> I'm excited to say I think this is our fifth year doing this is our fifth year anniversary I'm not wow. yeah we started congratulations oh my God, we have a little on city here <laughs> cool so so tell me something. You mentioned earlier that you're gonna that people want more. So what's more of this? I haven't written more about Georgina. I'm thinking of maybe making it into not a real story, but splitting it in as three stories and making it into more of a fictional part because I think it's it's just such an amazing story and I don't know. I'm just looking and the, and the book was very exactly what happened but it would be interesting to do it as a fiction why fiction and not real because you could write more and give it more of a sense I think mm -hmm. yeah it's just mm -hmm. it's an idea that mm -hmm. I, I still have it in the back of my mind the other one I did do which was uh, I did write was the other book which is fierce courage which is just came out that's not about this it's about the same type of area, which is the Balkan Wars, which was always interesting to me because nobody ever did. I don't think anyone's ever written about how horrible that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it's an inspirational book about somebody who, against all odds, made good. Well, and I think just so fantastic. In, 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 and it's interesting that you would take on these roles of finding that person in horrific situations that didn't want to live the shouldn't be's who found yes. a way to live outside of the shouldn't be's again he was also shouldn't be exactly yeah and uh, I think these are these are the people that you know in this world we've got the doers and then we have the followers and we need more doers to get us to where we want to go. Yeah, we need we yeah having doers with uh, who who are who are courageous, yes, you know, leaders that are willing to, you know, live on that skinny branch, be the example, who recognize yes. what shouldn't be and live the way they it, the way it should be. Yes, it's the difference between the shouldn'ts. And the shoulds, you know, yes. and I think yes. that's extremely valuable. And you know, I, I, I would be curious on about you writing more about your journey, and what you want, yes. and how you define her journey, the spiritual part of how you define the sh the the shoulds, so to speak, yes. like your mother, this other gentleman, you know, people like that who live, who live through these awful um, circumstances, but yet live and, and, are, are, and live to tell the tale. Yes. 
Yeah, that's right. I think, and they're the ones that we need because they're the ones we need to. Yes. They should be our leaders. Yes. That's the people that we should listen to. Absolutely. Those people who are living to tell the tale of being, of being true to themselves. That's the right word. Being true to yourself. If that's it. You've said it. Yeah. It is being true to yourself and doing what you think is right, not what anybody else wants to think, say is right. What you think is right, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very yeah. I mean, and, and being true to what is spiritually. Mm. I mean, you, you to be true to yourself on a spiritual level is not self, uh, uh, I, I'm not, I don't think is selfish. I no. think it's setting an example of, you know, of what is supposed to be. Maybe I don't think the, I don't think the Jews were supposed to be. Well, they were. So maybe on some level, I don't know. You know, was the Holocaust supposed to be? I mean, I can't imagine. I don't think so. I think that just it just, and you know, sometimes I look at it, and when when a country is in a, a huge desperation, and people are desperate they will turn to a leader that they shouldn't have turned to. And that's what is the biggest problem. And that's in a lot of things. That's in, in yes. you know, in, you know, just citizens, you know, following government officials. That's employees that follow, you know, awful managers and leaders that I don't consider awful people leaders, so I don't, I, I don't give them that title. They're awful. They're not yes. leaders. Uh, I, yes. I, you know, we... <clears throat> That's why you find your ways of, you know, publishing your books, finding an opportunity like I have here to be able to have an online talk show. I mean, I often say, where and how would Marilyn, Shannon, have found this opportunity to have opportunities for people like Gabrielle to speak out or myself? So, you know, again, and and so we have one minute left. I just want you to take a few seconds of that and just share like your final words of wisdom going out what's i'm just wondering if i'm wise my main thing is just please for anyone i think the most important thing is that they come onto my website have a look at the book read the book maybe read the other book contact me let Mm -hmm. me know what you think and I'm always ready to talk to anybody as long as they talk to me. And I'm more than happy to help if you want to start another book. If you've got an idea, I've been there, done it. If I can help in any way, I'll be more than happy to do that. So you're on Twitter. Tell Gabriella. It's Gabriella Kovac. I'm on on Twitter. Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Goodreads. (laughs) And on Amazon, right? And definitely on Amazon. So reach out to her. Yeah, reach out to her and, you know, ask questions, share, whatever uh, you have a desire. But this is really interesting. So if you are are one of those people who don't want to be part of the shouldn'ts, you want to be part of the shoulds, this is a lesson that you can be part of the shoulds. And if I can be of any help to you, you have questions, stories, anything that you are interested in getting across that you feel will impact our planet and our the citizens in and on the planet, please let me know. You can contact me at MarilynShannon.com. And also, you know, I am on Twitter, Marilyn Listens. I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Lip, Marilyn Lippman Shannon, Marilyn Shannon. You can find the Breaking Free Show, Nissan Communications, all of those things. We'd love to hear from you. We're happy you were here today. I would be loving to know what you thought of today's show, so please write me and let me know, marilyn at marilynshannon.com. We'd love to hear from you, and I really appreciate your celebrating our anniversary with us. So, Gabrielle, you are delightful. You are just a wonderful guest, and I know it's early, but thank you so much for being here. You are fabulous. Oh, thank you, Mary. I've got to return that compliment. I think you're a wonderful lady and a very good listener, and you ask great questions. Thank you. Thank you. Gets me to think. Well, cool. Gets (laughs) me to think, too. 
And so everyone yes. out there, we love you so much. Have a wonderful week. Bye. You're tuned to the Nissan Communications Network. Our weekly lineup of call-in programs includes Computers 2K Now with Omnon Nissan, My Life, My Will with Gisela DiCarlo, The Tanya Love Show, Help Then with Debbie Brooke, Breaking Free with Marilyn Shannon, Triangle Be Well with Howard Jacobson, Lunch and Learn with Rabbi Yisrael Cutler, Lessons of Vietnam with NCVVI members, Current Affairs with Omnon Nissan, and if you tuned in too late, you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an MP3 audio file of it in the archives section on NissanCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Atomos.com, makers of quality video recorders and converters, CarolinaApparel.com, and DeltaForce.net.